In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. back to Still Interested, our TV and film reboot remake podcast. I am, as always, uh, Ben McAllister, your friendly co-host. I am Jackson Yusuf, and joining us this week, we have a... a special guest. A very special guest. Tim Gauntlet. That's right, it's <laughs> little Timmy G, the gauntlet himself. He's, oh, yeah. here to, he's here to liven up your, your show and fill your ears with joy. What a lively boy. Yeah, that's him, the that's, boy. That's how I've always described him. <laughs> yeah, so we've all just watched a movie, mm-hmm. yeah. as we're wont to do. This movie came out in 2017. So fresh. If you listen, yeah, that's right. If you listen to the last uh, of our podcasts, you'll, you'll of course know we are talking about the 2017 Mummy, directed by Jackson, please. Alex Kurtzman. Alex Kerr, of course, there it is. Alex uh, Kurtzman. Yeah. Uh, Written by three people. Yep, there's three um, writers, which apparently... There's three on the screenplay and three on the screenplay story. Oh, so there's six writers. Wow. <laughs> there are six people responsible for Right, this. so three for the idea and three for the, the nutting it out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's important is that no one man could have done this. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's true. Uh, And it is important to note that it is no one man. It is, in fact, five men and one woman uh, who have nutted this whole thing out together. So kudos to them. Let's just fucking barrel on in. Let's dissect this frog. Let's let's thump the melon. Mm. Did you have a catchphrase, Tim? Uh, Slip in, slip out. Just like we were. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually perfect. We're going to slip right into this movie and hopefully slip out sooner rather than later. Fucking I hope so. That's the plan. The first thing I've written down is... Oh my goodness, they are not being subtle about this whole Dark Universe thing. Oh, like, geez. so, every, uh. I don't know, if you, just to very quickly be a film podcast for a second, if you haven't heard about this, like, Universal has decided in the grand tradition that's been forged by Marvel and <laughs> now DC that they want to have, like, a cinematic universe of their own, mm. and in order to achieve that, they're just deciding that they're going to, like, reboot all of their, like, famous 1930s monster movies. Like, they were the fucking pioneers of the genre, and now they're going to reboot them all into this shared universe that they're calling the Dark Universe. I'd read a bit about it. I'd obviously not seen this movie before we'd seen it, but like literally the first thing you see is just a giant logo that says Dark Universe. Well, no, the first thing you see oh, is yeah. that classic Universal oh. logo, and then we spin around. The thing gets see, a little darker. It changes. Uh, yeah, the Ooh. Dark Universe, which are we meant to believe that the entire time we've been watching the universe. <laughs> That the picture of the Earth is in fact a facade hiding a dark universe. I thought we light universe. Yeah. 
yes. <laughs> That's all been the. This is the darkest timeline. Yeah, yeah we yeah. finally shifted into it. It's Universal. been there the whole time. They've only just uncovered it. <laughs> that's been, horrifying. They've been keeping it under wraps for a hundred years, <laughs> and they finally let it out in yeah. 2017. Much like the Mummy itself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This whole film is actually a metaphor for the release of the Dark Universe <laughs> that they've been keeping captive. Because Universal oh. made. Pretty okay films for a hundred years, yeah. and they go to the dark universe and we're like, right. "Fuck it." We uh, we're in England. Yeah, lights up. It's a, it's the eleven hundreds. There are some knights templar there with a gemstone. There's a gemstone. There's the a burial. Stone? Yeah, it's something red. It looks a lot like the philosopher's stone. That's a good. That's a good I think the same prop. Maybe. Pinch <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah. They, they borrowed it from the WB. Look, look no, one, right. no one remembers Harry Potter, right? No, like, exactly. Just... I mean, it does take place in England, so the set's yeah. probably right there. That's true. That's true. So there's a, there's a cloth and a gem and they put a man in a tomb and I guess it's England. And at this mm. point, I'm thinking like, man, this is a nice contrast with the original 1999 Mummy where like we got a little pre-movie before the movie that told us what the movie is about. Instead, we're jumping right in. It's present day England. The BBC are telling us that an excavation that was meant to build a tunnel has found this ancient Egyptian tomb uh, and that there were these crusader knights mm. and then... Who should appear in a silhouette in the darkness? <laughs> Who else could it be but Russell Crowe? Oh, would it Russell. Be? It's so I, obviously I'd seen the I'd seen the adverts. I I knew that it was Russell Crowe. You read the fan fiction. I read the fan fictions, <laughs> and let me tell you, pretty erotic. Yeah, I mean, but of course. there is no one else it could have been. I mean, the silhouette is other unmistakable. Than Russell Crowe. Like the silhouette cannot be mistaken for anyone else. And then we dive right into. A uh, movie before the movie. Yes, yeah, so they totally did the movie straight it. off the bat, right back in. They gave us a little tease that they weren't going to do it, but they totally did it. Everything and we need to know. Exactly, and seeing as that was one of my points of remakeability, they're delivering early here. Yeah, in they the are. 2017 mm. remake, hot on the trail. They've got the movie before the movie that tells you about the movie. So, Tim, do you want to sum up what's in this pre-movie movie for us? <laughs> <laughs> The perfect response. Yeah, God, no. So what we get in this little pre-movie movie is, is we hear about Aminet, who was mm-hmm. the heir to the pharaoh. What pharaoh? When? Doesn't matter. She was the heir to the pharaoh, but then the pharaoh had a son, and so she wasn't going to be the heir. So she vowed revenge and embraced evil, making a pact with the god of death, and got a cool sword that she used to kill her dad and her mum and her brother, so that she could be the heir. But then, as the result of making this pact, she gets turned into this weird supernatural creature with all these spooky powers. Yeah, the whole thing is that like she has to like she's made a a bargain with um Set, the god of death. And so this pact will mean that, like, if she kills her family and does this ritual sacrifice, her and this uh, embodiment mm. of Set will rule over the world. Yeah. My question... She has to bang a dude and then kill him mm. to bring Set into the world. That's right. Of My course. question is, why did she need a demon pact to kill her family members? Yes. It is I shown mean, to be very easy. Yes. She literally walks into her family member's room... Slits their throats, yeah, and that's it. It's kind of yes. She that's definitely didn't need to invoke supernatural forces. No, and it, it, that is in itself a callback to the original movie, which mm. was the whole thing about like why did they need to mummify Imhotep in such a way that he would develop magical powers? It didn't seem necessary, but they did it anyway. So, in another hot callback to the original film, right on the heels of that one, right when she's about to kill this guy and bring Set into the world, some dudes with blow darts just burst into the room and murder her. They fucking shoot arrows into her neck and shit. Even though she's like a magical being now, she can still be captured by like arrows. Yeah. Yeah. She, she gets captured and she gets mummified. 
alive. Yes, without scarab beetles this time, it's worth noting. No, so which is a shame. I think. They've uh, they've learned yes. their lesson. The hum and die was too powerful. Instead, yeah, exactly. <laughs> instead, they're not going to give anyone superpowers. She just had to invoke them upon uh, herself for no real reason. Yeah, she's just got them from the god of death, but that's fine. So her tomb is put far away from Egypt, and bang, modern day. Yeah, and, uh, and we are in currently called Iraq. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Which is how the film tries to tell us where we are, because, yeah, you know... Don't worry. Uh, it's 2017, people. Yeah. yeah. We'll tell you exactly where it is. <laughs> yeah. It's Iraq. Uh, it's Iraq, and there are insurgents, and it's all very military-based, and mm-hmm. we are I hope you don't in... worry about what side they're on, because they're shooting these natural monuments. Like, <laughs> don't worry, these are really historic, and they're shooting them, so yeah. there's no questions. They're the bad guys. Yeah, but we yes. uh, we zoom in on our uh, our protagonist, Tom Cruise, playing Nick Ugh. Morton? I think it's Morton. Jack Johnson playing Chris Vale. Jake and... Johnson. Jake Johnson, I'm sorry. Jack yeah, no, dude, it's Jack Johnson. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. totally the guy who wrote Banana Pancakes. That's oh, who it is. This beautiful acoustic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iraqi. yeah. So that, that's why there's so much acoustic guitar in this film. That that's why, so like, every sense. 20 yeah, minutes yeah, they yeah, stop to have a little acoustic guitar interlude. And it's just really pleasant. Yeah, it's oddly, like, makes you pine for your youth. Yeah. And banana and- pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My note here is that our boy Jake Johnson is back, having uh, also been in that classic Jurassic World, which we covered yeah, dude, a little he's bit. everywhere. That man is just a hot property. He's on the up and up. King yeah. of the remake. Yeah. yeah, king of the remake, evidently. Yeah. And also New Girl. And also New Girl. There you go. I don't know what else he's in. But I've never seen New Girl. I just listen, neither have I, but like... <laughs> <laughs> That's a zero out of three New Girl rating. <laughs> Still Listen, but yeah, basically, uh, Nick, our protagonist, is like, let's go check out this city, and then yeah, because um, vo- he he holds up a note that he has mm. that says, "Dear Jennifer, please go check out Haram. Love Henry." We don't know who Jennifer or Henry are at this point, but I can guess who one of them is. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, "We got to go down there," and Vale's like, "No, it's too scary. There's insurgents down there." So Nick uh, mm. slashes his water bag, yeah. uh, leaving him essentially to die unless he follows him and he's just kind of like hey there's water in that village and it's kind of like is that meant to be whimsical and kind of funny because uh, that doesn't really land and in fact every time this film tries to be whimsical and kind of funny in like a very Guardians of the Galaxy sort of Mm. way it misses the mark do you think that's what they were doing? 100% dude such bad feelings no dude it is thought of that think about it they were literally like oh Mm. that classic Chris Pratt Guardians of the Galaxy vibe we've got this that's why Tom Cruise spends the whole time wisecracking and every joke fucking misses dude we've even got Jake Johnson from fucking Jurassic World. Of course. Also feet that crisp rat. Yeah. Do you think that's why they brought him in? Because they were they thought he might have soaked up some of that yeah. crispy rat yeah. energy. He's funny, right? Yeah. Bring like, him in. Yeah, he soaked up the energy well, and now he'll sponge it off onto Tom Cruise. Yeah, or maybe like he had a napkin that Chris Pratt had used and they could like clone him or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, like, maybe from like a mosquito in amber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a mosquito that had bit Chris Pratt and then it had died in amber. Yeah, that's and then right. that, that failed, so they were like, oh. I guess you can be in this movie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're already on set yeah Uh. yeah he smuggled the napkin out Mm. much like uh uh, wayne knight tried to smuggle out dinosaur embryos it's dude it's all connected get out out the red ribbon dark universe yeah Yeah. it all exists in the same twisted world very early on we have uh people ignoring curses and also and also some pranks in 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 that (laughs) dude's just straight up slashing that water bag is it also universal? It is universal. Oh, oh my totally God. Made the Dark Jurassic Universe Park. is already so rich. Yeah, I know. 
it's all connected. I mean, this isn't Dark Universe, Man, but I feel like who on at, the fringes. Who at Universal has a real boner for Jake Johnson? <laughs> yes, someone, right? Just his dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, check. T- is Jake Johnson's dad working at Universal? Nope, his dad owns a car dealership. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, his dad's He's can. been selling cars to the right people, clearly. Cause yeah, yeah, exactly. Now he's in yeah, movies. So... Mm. Um, basically, the whole thing about them being like, uh, Haram means curse, and yeah. then like Nick being like, oh, whatever, let's go check it out. And then we get uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the line of the film, which our boy uh, Tim oh. <laughs> referenced earlier. That sweet, sweet um, line. Yeah, yeah, where uh, Nick turns the veil and is like, don't worry about it. Slip in, slip out, just like we always do. Yeah, man. At this point, I've got, like, a note where I'm just like, are these guys in the army? Like, are they looting treasure? It's like, hard are they, to yeah. Like, yeah. we find out later, but at this point, I'm like, he's referring to him as sergeant? Like, Vale's referring to Nick yeah. as sergeant, and, like, they look like they're in the army, but it's not clear why two army guys would be rolling around pilfering a town. And at the same time, there's this very weird, like, buddy film vibe yeah. going on where they're just like riffing on each other but getting shot at by insurgents at the same time which yeah. really just it, mm. it's straight from that line right of you saying like oh fucking oh, yeah. like, slip in slip out just like we always do which is then Stra- bounce back with slip in right like we always do as if that's like you know the bounce back to the joke as Vale is just like yelling at Nick just mm. being like slip in slip out just like we always do are you kidding me as they're being <laughs> shot down yeah. and the first thing I'm noting is like Whereas in the first remake of The Mummy, mm. we have uh, fucking Brendan Fraser as Rick, yeah. just like killing it so frequently. Yeah. These guys fucking suck. Oh, they I don't know, ru- man. Dude, they rush into this village that literally, I'm not sure they even kill a single person. They're <laughs> running through. And that's oh. something to criticize them for. Well, I mean, I'm not sure they kill a single but, person. No, but, but they, but they, they bust killing. in here, like shooting, gu- like shooting around sort of thing. They're missing all these targets. The only time they do kill anyone is when Nick, for some reason, drops a grenade. Oh, the grenade and, drop, like, dude. Was for no so real reason, they get into a roof they don't have their guns anymore and they're just stuck up there and all Nick is saying is like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And then like, they're just yelling at each other and it's only when fucking uh, Vale Vail. calls in an airstrike. He's yeah. got this real hard on for the airstrike. Yeah, he's like, come yeah. on, man, let me call it in. Yeah. No, don't call it in. I'm going to call it in. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> he just loves airstrikes. He's, he just, there's two things he loves. It's treasure and airstrikes. Yeah. My point is, like, you compare this to the action of the first, well, the first one we watched, mm. like, they, it is so different. These two are so hapless it's in comparison. It's way less goofy, to be fair. The action and, like... I mean, that grenade drop was gratuitous and also awesome. Yes, like, that one moment, sure. But, like, fucking building. name a moment involving a gun this entire film that was remotely rewarding. Just because 2017 is the year of grenades. Doesn't mean, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean these guys get yeah. off scot-free. Just because they decided arbitrarily that this is the year of grenades. Yeah. And they're like, it's going to be grenades. Just because the UN met in, t- <laughs> in March 2017 and officially proclaimed right. it the year of grenades doesn't make it okay. I'm just playing Omnitep's advocate here. So... The insurgents mm. run away because they're cowards, I guess. And I guess so. uh, then uh, Vale yells, I'm still alive! Seconds before being pulled into a sinking vortex of sand. Yeah, so this rooftop mm. they're on collapses. They roll down and the sinkhole appears. And then it looks like Vale's just going to die. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like a funny, ironic thing. Him being like, I'm alive! Instead, he just doesn't. He gets sucked down but doesn't die. At which point I was like, what was the point of that? Like, well, it was to provide undue tension, Jackson. Yeah. I gotcha. 
They got <laughs> they you really, real good. I mean, this movie pranked you. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. There's, there's those pranks again. Very pranks on the Highly remakeable, and, and they're on it, I guess. The pranks come in even better later, but yes. Yeah, the best prank of all is that this random lady called Jennifer rocks up. Yeah, oh. so they get they get evac'd, they're back with their group, their boss, who is this guy called Colonel Greenway, is like reaming them out. He's like, I think I know what you guys are all about. Yeah. You reckon you're soldiers, but you just roll around stealing antiquities and then letting the insurgents destroy the evidence <laughs> for you. And it's just like, oh, thanks for explaining this scene in a way that you totally didn't need to or, and, and wasn't very natural at all but but well done I'm giving you an MVP nomination for that purely because I was confused about what these guys were doing and you've put it in black and white so well done Colonel yeah. Greenway but oh here's Jennifer in case you're wondering who Jennifer was from the note that uh, Nick was reading earlier mm. here she is yeah and that's all you'll find out about her that happens yeah. we get a very bad scene oh Jesus I forgot yeah. well, I think we forget that her first introduction is just walking up and slapping Tom Cruise in the most comical fashion yeah and it's like literally like it's like a fucking like fucking Groucho Marx-esque like slap sound effect yeah, yeah. like it's literally it's like oh. psh, yeah it's so <laughs> bad yeah it, and, and then she's like oh, he had sex with me for 15 seconds. And then he's like, it was a lot more than that and you loved it. Yeah, they kind, they like, kind of riff on this joke for a bit where she's like, he's bad in bed. And then he's like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Obviously she was so exhausted from all that banging I did last from night. From all the sex and that we had. just like, all the long, pleasurable sex. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Yeah. yeah. It's that bad. I, like, it's important to note at this point, we still don't know who this character is. No. no. Like, she's come in, she hits Tom Cruise, she's like, he banged me bad, and he's like, I banged you good, and then she's like, why'd you steal my map? And he's like, what map? Who are you? What are you talking about? Yeah, and, and then she's like, uh, by the way, I've got jurisdiction over this. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so listen to me, buddy. Yeah, listen to me. And, and then this fucking, like, military dude, Greenway, yeah. is just like, fucking listen to it, boys. They go down in the hole, as you said, and it's very spooky, and it's definitely a tomb, and there's mercury everywhere. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of mercury mm. around. First thing that happens oh. upon Jennifer seeing the tomb is she says, oh my god. It's Egyptian. <laughs> and oh we all lost God. our shit at that line, and it's my first title pitch for this movie. Yeah. I think, oh my God, It's Egyptian is pretty decent. It is my second after slip in, slip out, <laughs> just like we always do. <laughs> they go hand in hand, really. Yeah, they yeah. really do. That's right. But basically, they just kind of waltz through. Jennifer is like, kind of like GoProing herself and like recording things. It's very yeah. Jack West. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. There's, there's a real Matthew Riley vibe. Yeah, yeah, which is a recurring theme of yeah. this podcast. Which goes alongside with like Jennifer's daily vlog, like 45. Yeah. Like, yeah. Alright, I'm in this tomb. Yeah. Um, there's mercury dripping from the Hi ceiling. Guys. Hi guys! It's me! Back again. Just checking in. Uh, so you don't believe it. Oh, oh my god, it's Egyptian down here. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, there's mercury and it's basically like the boys are just looking around trying to steal as much stuff as they, as they can. They just want those treasures. That's all they care about is stealing shit. So like they, they find like Jennifer's like, hey, turn on those big lights, which do- begs the question if they had big lights, why they didn't turn them on earlier. Just turn them on. They were contented to walk around in the dark and for it, a while. it foregrounds this movie's love of putting things in absolute dark. Oh my darkness. God, you're yeah. right, dude. This film just loves having everything shrouded in darkness to the point where it's unwatchable. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, you have these film lights. I didn't even... Turn them on! Please. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Like we, we come back to it a lot in terms of like 
how dark this movie is. But you're right, this is the beginning of it. So they find a big spooky ritual well full mm. of mercury, and there's like a big spooky chain around it. We get like a quick explanation that like the ancient Egyptians believed that mercury had some link to the spirits. It could because, like suppress yeah. them. But yeah, they could it's, suppress spirits, and, and because it's like shimmery and they were dumb because they're ancient, like it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty bad. So while she's explaining this, there's like a ring of guardian statues that are all facing inwards towards the pool. There's a big chain surrounding it. She realizes that the chains are there to keep whatever's in the yeah. pool in. Yeah, she's like, than... this isn't a tomb. It's a prison. Yeah. It's not to protect it. It's to protect us. Yeah, yeah. And it's you. very reductive. And meanwhile, dun, dun, dun. the boys are just disregarding all of this because all they care about is stealing. So disregarding curses because mm. you're interested in profits. Mm. Highly remakeable. Yes, they've delivered on a lot of these points very early. Very early. They have. I would say the execution is missing. No, <laughs> okay, sure. But, but they, they, they certainly, they certainly wrote it on a blackboard yes. and were like, "Fucking remember this." Look, I just take them off and be done with it. Yeah. I literally <laughs> feel like six people sat down in a room. They watched the original movie and they said, "You know what this movie's really about?" And then they all threw out one. They were yeah, like, yeah, "Let's yeah. all sit down and th- say what we mm. think this movie's really about." And they all threw out one thing and they put them up on the blackboard and they're like, "Well, all the script needs to do is hit all those things and we can call it the mummy." And that's <laughs> what they. Done. And then even though they had those things, they forgot about them pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right. Because like, I feel like in my notes, like, they hit a lot of these points early, and then the back half of the movie is just like... And then got really distracted It just by gets really weird. Mm. Some bizarre shit. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So totally. we hear of the radio that the insurgents are coming back in. Uh, bogey's inbound. Yeah, bo- yeah. Bogey's, <laughs> bogey's inbound. Uh, they need to get out of there. Jennifer is like complaining to Vale, being like, no, we can't leave without this artifact. She doesn't care there's bogeys. Yeah, no. and then Nick just like realises there's a chain in front of him and shoots it with his gun. Which is... Because what else would you do? And drags up this sarcophagus out of the pool of mercury. How fortuitous. Yeah. I'm not sure that shooting that chain in particular yeah. would make that whole counterweight system work, but, but I mean, hey, fuck, I guess so. You're not an ancient tomb designer. My favourite yeah. thing is that he's just like, oh, a chain. <laughs> he's just like, guess I better shoot it. Yeah. That seems like Surely you'd be like, is there a lever or something? So, the sarcophagus comes up, a bunch of Bugs come out. Yeah, yeah some uh, camel spiders. Camel spiders. Sorry, one of them bites Vale. Uh, and then Nick has a spooky wet dream about Egypt, essentially. Ooh, yeah. He has a very scary, sexy flashback. And this is where I've written down, is this the beginning of an undying love that transcends death? Ooh. Have they started on that remakeability hype again? They fucking have done it. Like, I, I swear I hadn't watched this movie when I pitched that in the middle yeah, of the last movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, that's very true. They're fucking, they're hitting points early. Like, they, it's literally like they wanted to get the 1999 mummy behind them so they could quickly yeah. derail the film. Yeah, and <laughs> it just sucks because that film was so much fun and this yeah. one just sucks. This just, one's devoid of fun. It just wasn't fun. It's <laughs> devoid of fun, I would say, is a, is a fair description of this movie. But basically we have this scene where, like, Nick is suddenly in Egypt, mm. Armanette's there, she's rolling around, they're getting very close, look like they're gonna kiss and that sort of thing and then he's like, kind of like, snaps himself out of it. Like, they, they evac the whole sarcophagus. Really like, sort of like disrespectfully just out of the yeah. chopper. Like, I feel like you could put that in the helicopter, but no, let's swing it out yeah, of the helicopter, yeah. bashing into things on the way. Yeah, <laughs> they just like pull it out of the ground, they all escape they're fleeing from, I guess the insurgents but also maybe a sandstorm and also yeah. some and very angry birds. Classic tie into that, that classic yeah. iPhone game Angry Birds. <laughs> um, 
there's just a whole bunch of crows there just like squawking away. Oh, um, it's a feast for those crows. Yeah, hey. And our first and not last Game of Thrones reference. <laughs> they get on the plane. Tom Cruise's character brings up again. He's like, hey. Why'd you tell him we, our last 15 seconds? Oh, like, come on, Jenny. And it's like... It's right. like a parody of itself. He's so yeah. hung up on He's it. So He's like, up. listen, the, my problem here is that you told my boys that I can't fuck good. <laughs> and you know I can fuck good. Like, And it's like, just give up. Like, who cares? Uh, like, they've literally pulled an ancient sarcophagus from the ground. <laughs> and he just, and like, which she she said that like when King Tut's tomb was found, it was worth more than $650 million. Yeah, but... Why are you talking about my dick bad? Like, <laughs> you know I care about that the Why most. Why are you saying I did a bad sex job with you? Yeah. You know I did a good one. Oh. Uh, Didn't I? And then, yeah, and then we, uh, this is intercut with, like, Jake, Mm. uh, our boy, uh, Vale, just, like, clutching his neck and being like, ah, ah, but not bringing it up, just, like, you know, suffering and dealing with it like a a good soldier. I've written, oh, no, I think this boy's gonna die. Yeah. And, uh, so, we also get, in that conversation about sex, her complaining at him, being like, you tried to steal this find from me when you stole my map, this is my life's work, you tried to ruin it, and he's like, hey... I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah, and then she's and then she's like, uh, "You pretended to be real, but but this sarcophagus, this is real." And it's like, okay, and it's it's a very bad conversation, and, and you really come away hating both of the characters talking mm. about it. So, but the more important thing that's happening now is, I guess, like Tom Cruise, Nick has another weird, spooky flashback, mm. and nothing really important happens there. But when he flashes back, it seems like some time has passed. And now Corporal Vale is being very spooky. And he's standing up at the sarcophagus and, like, trying to saw it open with a knife. And Colonel Greenway comes up and he's like, Corporal Vale, what are you doing? And Vale just fucking stabs him in the chest. Yeah, and now, don't mistake the amount of enthusiasm in Ben's voice to highlight the amount of enthusiasm in that stab. Vale very calmly... Just pushes this knife just into sort of his chest. Like, yeah, like literally, like, yeah, like through butter. He just kind of extends his arm, and the knife just happens to stab into this dude's chest. Hey, it's a good knife. <laughs> hey, yeah, evidently he pulls it back out, and he does it again. Like yeah. it is, it is the least resistance <laughs> I mean, of someone being stabbed I've ever seen from a trained military commander. Yeah. But he wait, sorry, you think he's a trained military commander, so his bones are strong? <laughs> no, but I, but I think him going up to like. A, like another soldier that is soaring at this sarcophagus and be like, what's going on? This dude has grey veins up his face and his eyes are rolled in the back of his head and he just stands there, gets stabbed once, stands there, gets stabbed a second time and falls over and dies. I think he's not expecting that. He knows Corporal Vale. But anyway, dude, it's probably Valerian Steel. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right, right, right. Of course. And with him being a white walker, so that's yeah, that's yeah, what takes that's, him down. That's yeah. right. So anyway, Greenway gets stabbed, and then there's a very high-tension standoff. Mm. Like, these other two nameless military boys are there, like, Stand down! Stand down! And, like, Nick gets in between them, and he's like, Whoa! Calm down, Vale! What are you mm. doing? What are you doing, Vale? And then Vale gets shot, hits the deck, but he can take a beating and keep on eating, as he gets back up, and he's still threatening them with a knife, until he gets shot two more times. Well, yeah, once more to knock him back down. And then, when Tom Cruise has the gun up little, like, above, limp hand, like, like, in a limp hand up near near his head and just kind of fires a shot yeah. almost accidentally it's very strange like who holds a gun like that like it's very hard to describe this like if you've seen the movie you know what we're talking about if you haven't seen the movie like go try and find a picture of the way Tom Cruise is holding this gun here because it is like 
It's really weird. Like he's holding it like on its side, very limply, with a sort of limp wrist, up yeah. by his head. And yeah. The whole time he never has any real sort of qualms about just shooting his friend. Yeah, he like he looks so unconcerned. Like, the like, closest well, he comes is being like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" But like, also, also, what about recoil? Yeah. Like this motherfucker like has his like limp wrist gun. Yeah. Like, like I don't and he know the shot. He's not even looking down yeah, the sights. Yeah. He's hip shooting. Or shoulder shooting. Yeah. shooting. Like, just limp wrist, gun on its side, gets him. Like, that's yeah. crazy. And he fucking, like, and this, this shot is better than the other two. Like, it yeah. is, it's perfect shot. This guy goes down, and then all of a sudden, one of the engines explodes. And you're like, what's going on? Uh-oh. They rush out to the front of the deck, uh, to the, they rush out to the cockpit of the plane. They look out. Hang on. What's that? And all these fucking birds from earlier, this feast for crows, they're just kamikazing. <laughs> Into the fucking plane. Bring That's that right. bitch down. Yeah. yeah, so the plane is just going down now. One of its engines blew up, I guess, and yeah. And to this film's credit, I think this was a pretty cool scene. This was actually quite cool. So I- I've written down three notes in a row here. This plane crash scene is actually pretty tight. Yeah. I'm actually really liking this. And then about 30 seconds later, I wrote another note. Okay, this is going on a little long now. Yeah. Probably one too many rotations of the plane. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, 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 the, the, yeah. The plane's like spinning out of control, like it's spiraling around. Corkscrewing down yeah, to earth. Exactly. And like we get the internal shot and everyone's like rolling around the inside of the plane because mm. it's corkscrewing. It probably shows you that like one too many times. Like, I mean, like, I'd say six too many times. Like, but like, <laughs> but like, at the point at which you're like, it's one too many times, it just kept happening like, again yeah, and exactly. again. Like, just enough times yeah. to feel like it's dragging. It, yeah. My issue with this scene is that it just calls me back to that time when uh, Universal released a trailer of this film without <laughs> the sound attached. <laughs> Basically, there was no dialogue in this trailer. Um, we, there was a bit, bunch of incidental music, and this scene was highlighted with nothing but Tom Cruise like flaccidly screaming, essentially. <laughs> just being thrown around this plane and being like... Ah! 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 We'll drop a link to that trailer in the show notes. Yeah, it's, 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 it I wonder if it's. Yeah, I hope it's still kicking around. Yeah, it's if very it's, funny. If you haven't seen it, just don't watch the film. Watch the trailer. If it's legal for us to drop a trailer, we'll drop it in the show notes. So <laughs> <laughs> the next thing that happens is the plane is crashed. We cut to black, and Tom Cruise sits up in a body bag. Like Jennifer Halsey, which is Jenny's proper name, is somewhere, and someone comes over and is like, "We need you to help ID the bodies." Smash cut. Tom Cruise sits up in a body bag. It was a plane crash, and there are perfectly pristine bodies to identify. I think you can give as much credit as you want to these magical mummy powers that he's been imbued with as soon as they've chosen him as the fairy of this evil spirit. But that plane crashed into the fucking ground (laughs) in this horrible, fiery explosion, like. He's dust. Now, if we had seen a rotted corpse sort of thing or something like that and then seen it reform, I would have been like, fucking yeah, makes sense. Literally, we see Tom Cruise, beautiful Tom Cruise, I should (laughs) say. I mean, he's ripped as fuck. I'm not sure how old this man is, but he must be be like hidden 50, right? If if not older. 50 going uh, on 30. Yeah. I'd say 50 is the new 30, as I always say. Um, but Hollywood 50 is regular person 25. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise is 55 years old! <laughs> He's fucking 55 years old! And that's old. this God. year, dude. Yeah. That is this year. Wow. He looks better than me. 
He, I mean, he looks better than all of us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> on. he is one of the most famously handsome <laughs> in the world, so maybe that's not much, but anyway. But my point is, though, you can see glimpses of the rest of the bodies through these, like, clear blo- body bags. Do they use clear body bags? That's also I've weird. never seen one before. They're like, let's see all the meat inside. I think one of the purposes of a body bag is to hide the body. Yeah. <laughs> and these are like little, like, sort of glad wrap kind of around the body, kind of like yeah. sandwich bag. Open that one up later. Yeah. Oh, man. We've spent way too long dwelling on this scene. I'm going to sum no, it up really no, quickly. No, my, my point is, my point is, is that even if he can regenerate himself or be, like, saved by this curse, why are the rest of the bodies pristine? They fucking were in a plane. Crash, it doesn't make any sense. We don't, this film is a joke. We don't <laughs> see any of the other bodies, and I you can see but them, but they're still bodies. Yeah, the you can see the fact that they're bodies. You mean they should be mush. Yes, they, they should be, literal they should be, they should be genuine ash mush. and mush and okay. not yeah. even recoverable. Okay. It's just like we need to, to identify the one remaining body, and also if you can recognize any of the piles of mush. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a couple of teeth in there Look, and a few watches. You know what, Jackson. <laughs> I think you're being a little... A little critical? A little critical of the Mummy 2017? Is that what you're saying? I was going to say a little hyperbolic, Jackson. <laughs> I think you're being a little hyperbolic about the degree of degradation of these bodies. But we cannot dwell on this scene any longer. To sum it up very quickly, Tom Cruise wakes up in a body bag. Oh shit, Vale's there. He's all spooky and he's mm. all fucked up. He looks all ruined. And then, like, the people, uh, Jenny and the people who she's with, come in the room. Turns out Vale was a ghost. Tom Cruise is naked. He's like, oh shit, gotta cover my dick. And then he, I think, just yells out the lines, where am I? Who's Who's in in charge charge here? (laughs) Which, to me, is my second title pitch for this movie, Mm, because mm. I want to levy that criticism at the six writers of this movie. Mm -hmm. Who is in charge? I must know who's responsible. I think it shows that no one was in charge because yeah. of the severe way this film just had zero direction. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a very between. organic process and no one was ever laying on toes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Maybe too organic. So, uh, we get a, a weird like smash cut oh. to these two dudes walking around in a swamp uh, and it's very spooky and very dark and you can't see anything and it's shitty. So, as far as I can tell, tell me if you guys disagree, Aminette comes out of the swamp Sucks the life force out of these two guys. Also by kissing them. Yeah. The way the the way this mummy because like before we're used to like the other the the mummy from the nineteen ninety nine mm. classic film. The safe mummy. Is, yeah. The, the <laughs> <laughs> is <laughs> is that it extends its jaw open and sucks the fluids out of them from afar. Yeah. This one just fucking chomps out of their faces and absorbs it as if they were macking down just real hard. Cash that soul right out. Yeah. It's very sexy. And then essentially just reanimates them. And she's starting to regenerate, which is a nice callback to the original movie. Like, we mm. saw the mummy getting a little bit, like, more, like, fleshy every time he sucked up some life force. We are in a bar. Um, Jenny's there with Nick and she's like, how did you get out of that plane? And instead of responding, he just looks at her, makes, he's just like, uh, 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 and just like drinks a lot of yeah, alcohol. He literally he does. He takes two more shots and just gives his weird comical face of like, I don't know, like. Yeah, That's what I mean. Yeah. They're trying to do a whole Chris Pratt thing with this yeah. character and like Tom Cruise can't sell it. 
So Jennifer is a part of a group of archaeologists that have realized that there was an Egyptian princess who was erased from history for doing something bad, and she had this dagger which can apparently bring the god of death set to life, but the dagger's been broken apart and hidden, and apparently that, like, pre-movie movie scene where Russell Crowe was there was the people in London finding the Templar tomb where the dagger was hidden, and that was the gem that the Templars were hiding in the cloth, like, they broke the dagger apart, it had a gem in the hilt, and it was a dagger, and they were hiding the gem so that it couldn't be found, and that's why Henry, who is Russell Crowe, sent Jennifer to look at the tomb in Haram, because that tomb under London sent them after the tomb in Haram, I guess. And at this point, we're like 40 minutes into the film, and I remember thinking, this is the first time I've really understood any kind of direction we're going in. Yeah. yeah. Is any kind of plot actually developing? So while Jennifer's explaining all of this, Vale is in the background as a ghost form, and he's like trying to beckon Nick away. <laughs> he does this really comical sort of like pointing to him like, hey, you, come over here, let's like go and have a dart or something. Like, yeah, what are you yeah, doing, yeah. Vale? <laughs> it's like seeing your friend at the bar who's like trying to be really subtle about it, but also isn't at all, and sort of points to you like, hey, let's go have a cigarette outside. That's exactly what Vale was doing, and so Tom Cruise confusingly obliges him, and he's like, sorry, Jennifer, I've got to go somewhere. Continuing that whole buddy film vibe Mm. that uh, our boys Vale and Nick had before, what we get is the weirdest fucking scene in the world, which is obviously meant to be played for laughs, but is just not funny, as Nick is in the ladies' bathroom talking to the ghost version of Vale in the mirror, trying to, like, figure out what's going on. He's like, Armin, it's got plans for you. It's all going to happen. There's no way out of this. Don't run. And, like, you shot me. You shot me, like, three times, dude. Ha <laughs> It, it sucks so much. I think Vale represents very literally the ghost of the buddy film that the mummy could have been. <laughs> because he's, he's dead now. And he's also, like, it seems to be a figment... <laughs> It seems that he's this figment of Nick's imagination, but he's still trying to shoehorn in these jokes like, you shot me three times, man. Like, what's that about? Yeah, I know. Here's the thing. After this moment, he essentially disappears for, like, the rest of the film. Like, this could be a buddy film. Yeah. Where, like, he had to kill his, like, cursed friend, and then his cursed friend's a ghost, and there's a whole thing going on. Instead, it's just bad news bears the whole time. Now, I will say this. In defense of this scene and character, he plays a very good prank on Nick here by luring him into the ladies' bathroom rather than the men's, because these ladies try and get in, and he just pushes them out. Like, he literally pushes them out the door, and they barricade the door shut, and feels like, ah, this is the ladies' room, dude. Pranked. Pranks? Highly remarkable. They hit that. You better believe they did. For that good prank, Vale gets an MVP number. Oh, 100%. It's been a while since you've had one. Vale's getting it. He's right up in the mix. And the next thing I've got written down, I've kind of forgotten what motivates this, I've just got written down, a bunch of rats? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Tom Cruise, like, goes busts outside, out. Goes outside, right. Yeah, he just, like, bails out, goes outside, and then sees a vision of, a, like, a, a mummy heading towards him. And a bunch of rats. And a bunch of rats. He starts running away, the rats are crawling all over him, the mummy, like, grabs him with his last second, and then he just wakes up. And he's just, like, in the middle of the road, and Jennifer's there, and she's grabbing him, and he just had another dream, and... I feel like all these fantasy sequences are just really unfair. Like, usually when you put that kind of scene in, you're like, oh, you know, Tom Cruise is going crazy, and maybe it's real, maybe it's not. You don't get any of that kind of, like, conditioning here. It's just like, oh, this is real. And then suddenly he wakes up in the middle of a street, and it just confuses you. Yeah. But what's important here is that now... So in the previous scene, we had Jennifer being like, I'm part of this ancient secret society, which, by the way... 
point of irrecoverability, ancient secret of course, society. They hit it. Highly irrecoverable. They hit it. Uh, the point is that she's there being like, so this princess, right? She was erased from history and she has this dagger and we have to stop her because we, we've angered the gods, she literally says. This scene, like about two minutes later in the movie, they seem to have just swapped sides mm. for no reason. Like, Nick's just like, hey, uh, this ancient princess, she's real, the mummy. And Jennifer's like, whoa, dude, you're sounding crazy. You gotta talk to my friend, the doctor. And like, it, it just is like, uh, why have they swapped? I don't understand. I guess just so Tom Cruise can be the hero? Like, I guess so. But like, uh, why, if you're gonna do that, why put him in the position of like, like not having knowledge in the first place? Yeah. Like, if you're gonna come out and have him be like, the source of what's going on. They just give it to him in the first place. Like, yeah, yeah. It anyway. It sucks a lot. So now we get a cut back to Arminet. She's icing people left, right, and center, sucking the life out of them, getting more and more powerful. Uh, Nick has brought Jenny to the place where he had a vision. Is this of... the scene that opens with them standing in front of a field of cows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah, yeah. all the cows moving. And this comical, like, 20 seconds where they're just standing in an incredibly dark scene, as this film is so good at, and cows just move behind them. And yeah. it's like, what vibe are we meant to be sort of striking here? <laughs> so so Nick brings Jenny to, like, he had a vision of where the sarcophagus of Arminette was, and he brings mm. her there because he's like, I have, to, I have to go see her rotting corpse so I know the mummy's not real. So they're at this place, which I guess is a church or something? Like, or with something. a swamp yeah. next to it. It's some kind of building. We it's also kind of a derelict building. We also very much get the sense that Nick actually is being drawn to this mummy. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, I just need to see it's real. That'll help my head. Well, they have this exchange where Halsey is like, this is the wrong place. And Nick says, no, it's not. And that's all she needs. And then she's yeah, convinced she, and she follows him. She buys in. She and she's like, okay. Yeah. Let's go. So then we get this odd scene where Nick is literally, like, stumbling around this empty... Like, I don't know if you guys remember this scene, but there's literally... Like, he walks into a big empty room, and we get, like, about a minute where he's just like... (laughs) 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 And he just, like, stumbles around this big empty room in, like, half silence. Like, there's not music. There's not atmospheric noises. Like, it's literally just him walking around being like... (laughs) for about 30 seconds and then he gets tackled like out of frame by a zombie or something and and then all of a sudden all these other zombies pop up and they grab him they drag him to his altar and it's like oh it's bad news bears for Nick and then I'm gonna there you'd never believe it she fucking like hops on top of him (sighs) rips open his shirt and just kind of like licks up his stomach and on his neck and it's kind of like is this mummy trying to fuck the protagonist? Well, at this point, we've just had, like, the weird rat scene in the street, and we've just been primed to be like, all right, Nick's going crazy, this isn't real. Which is, like, cool in a lot of films, when it's like, ooh, unreliable narrator kind of thing, like, oh, it's in his mind. But at this point, I feel like it's just lessened the stakes, because <laughs> you're primed to think that every sort of kooky, weird thing yeah, is just of not course. real. Yeah, so definitely. Like, all right, he's going to snap out of it, it's not real. And it's just like... Oh, and, it is real this time. And, and this one is real. And yeah. she's talking, she's like whispering to him and tr- like literally. She's being she's like, you're like, my chosen one. Yeah. Like two points. Number one, is this film about necrophilia? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're meant to believe? And number two, is this film about an up and coming actress needing to have sex with Tom Cruise to like get <laughs> make it in Hollywood? <laughs> he wrote the contract. Is he, is he the gatekeeper? Uh, is that what you have to do? Uh, I mean, that truly is the darkest universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly fell off my chair, dude. Yeah, dude, thank you. I've laughed you out of your seat. That's oh, how dark wow. it is. So <laughs> she, she climbs on top of him. There's a lot of weird, sexy, Ugh. in inverted commas stuff going on. She knocks the head off a statue 
and pulls the dagger out of it. What's the dagger doing in that statue? I yeah. just don't think it matters. Somehow it's there. She pulls it out and she's like about to stab him. And then like she brings the dagger down on his chest and stops like millimeters above his chest. And Thank we're God. like, what's going on? Ooh, shit. Are we meant to intuit? This is what I've written down. That she can't kill him because she loves him? Or what? We later find out it's because she realizes that the stone's not in the hilt of it, so it won't do the job. Mm. But in the moment, it just kind of looks like she's like, I can't do it. And then Jenny shows up and provides the distraction required for Nick to start kicking ass. Well, no, okay. But he literally is like, Jenny, run! But the way he says Jenny, run is almost like, Oh, come on, Jenny. Like, I was enjoying this. Like, get out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah. He, gives well, he sounds but, so pissed yeah, off the, that she's there. The she comes is, in he's like, Jenny! <laughs> Jenny, like, come on, man. Yeah. Let's a moment. Exactly. But, but also, like, and I, I'll posit this, like, with her, like, going to kill him and then stopping, it is a more believable love story between Armanette and Nick. Like, in that moment of her, like, going to kill him and stopping, and we don't know why, but it's kind of like, Hang on, what's going on? Infinitely more believable and more charming than fucking Nick and Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, definitely. The Nick and Jennifer story, like, it, it's not very well developed. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. But I guess, like, Jenny provides the distraction required for him to start kicking ass, which is what he does best, I guess, because it's Hollywood and it's Tom Cruise. I don't know if he does it best. I, I was very unimpressed with mm-hmm. him. Well, he like, kills a couple of zombies. They get the... Uh, this this whole scene is so uninspiring, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, he, he beats up a couple of like, zombies. Like, this is such a good place for him to fucking, like, rule. And you're like, yeah, you know what? Go f- yeah, fucking do it, Nick. Instead, he just kind of, like, averagely takes a few zombies out but it's not particularly impressive the zombies don't seem particularly strong and you're kind of just left being like who do I care about in this film he stabs Aminette with the dagger and that like provides enough of a distraction for them to get away and they get the dagger then we get this strange scene where like Nick gets in an ambulance and starts driving <laughs> away like do you remember like he starts leaving her yeah, behind 100%. yeah He's just going to get the fuck out of there. And she's like, hey, hey! And he stops and she gets in and he's like, you were going to leave me behind. And he's, and he's like, yeah, did you see that? It's crazy. <laughs> and then she says again, you're going to leave me behind. And he says again, didn't you see that? And she forgets it. Yeah. yeah instantly. But the thing is, it's obviously trying to be like, hey, he's no hero. He's an anti-hero. Yeah. But they go so far in the wrong direction of being like, this guy fucking sucks. Like, yeah. as in like, he's dragged this lady here. He's just he, an he, he could have been like, bye, and then gone and checked this out by himself. Instead, he's dragged this lady here, and then be like, oh shit, she saved him by causing the distraction, and he's like, I'm getting away. Like, he fucking sucks. Yeah, he's also, a very bad guy. Also, we should note that they're driving a bright yellow truck, <laughs> which is necessary because we are shrouded in darkness, and yeah. nothing but the brightest of yellows will get through that. It's important to put a big disclaimer on like the last eight minutes of the show because we are, to a degree, guessing what happened. It's mm. like some sort of like very <laughs> intricate shadow puppetry, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Like literally, this is the degree to which you can't really see what's going on. Either some of the zombies or Arminette are on the ambulance. Like I literally couldn't tell what it was supposed to be she was there at some point but not like on the ambulance but also you don't know if it's her because she looks a lot like a zombies when the whole thing when is the whole very thing is dark so dark yeah and so they were being attacked in the ambulance yeah. by something yeah whether it was zombies or ominate isn't that important honestly like like and like we're gonna hit fast forward a bit because it's that bad mm. but like literally like they roll the truck Armanet rocks up 
It's all very bad. And this crack team appears out of nowhere Dude, and yeah. just fucking stuns Arminette. Yeah. They like fucking like get her with these fucking like, almost like grappling hooks that are like into her. Dude. Pin her down and and then like knock out our heroes and that's game. Dude, Which is this I... kind of cool throwback to when she gets taken down yeah, exactly. in the flashback at the start. Yeah. Like exactly. the blow up to the neck and all that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. cool, but also impossible to see. So, sorry. I, I gotta say, two things that we skipped over in the very quick scene there. One, when they roll the truck and Arminette rocks up. Get her, Nick. Kick her ass. Yeah, I have that too. Title pitch for this movie. <laughs> uh, because that, like, uh, Nick, like, gets out of the truck that's rolled, and Jenny and, and Arminette's coming over, and he rolls over to go <laughs> fight Arminette hand to hand, and she just yells out, Get her, Nick. Kick her ass. Yeah. And then and he we just see gets a, a, br- a brief moment of uh, throwing people around that yeah. the, the oh, previous film loved. They loved so that much. so much. And, and he gets up at a cut and doesn't just, like, drift off. He gets launched into yeah. the sky. Yeah. He'd be dead. There's he, no well, that's what I mean. Is he invincible at the moment, or. It's like, not clear. I hope so, because otherwise he just got launched like 200 well, That's what I mean. He's come back from the dead. Can he not be killed until this is consummated now that he's cursed? I guess it's it's not really clear. But you know what is clear to me? This <laughs> film sucks. <laughs> yes, well, that. But also, uh, these guys who come in, this crack team that come mm. in and save the day, you got to respect those troops. Oh. And they've nailed... Ooh. One of the last missing points of remake of a point of everything? contention uh-huh. is that we, the audience, are respecting those troops, not the film themselves. But having said that, I'll, I think I think it's sense. I've actually got written down. Does this count? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we should allow it. Yeah. Just, no. Uh, no. Listen. Yeah. I, I think it's fair. Yeah. These guys are the most effective people in this film, and they exist for fifteen seconds. Yeah. For the protagonists, this would be a five-minute film. Oh, yeah, it'd That's be right. like, well, <laughs> tag him and bag him, boys. She's dead. And that'd be it. Turns out these guys work oh. for Dat Crow. So they, they capture um, Nick and Jennifer, and they, they capture Arminette, and they take them all back to the headquarters of Dat Crow. Which is essentially a museum of dead bodies. Ooh. We see everyone moving through all these, like, preserved body the parts. The room of jars in heads. Yeah. No, heads in jars. We get a little bit more about Dat Crow, that Russell Crow. Turns out his name is Dr. Henry Jekyll. Whoa. Ooh. Ooh. Bet you never heard that before. Yeah. Uh, have some... you guys, by the way, have, you, have either of you guys ever read, like, um, fucking Jacqueline Hyde? No, but I've seen the Lee of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and ah, that's all you well, need to watch. Isn't that it. the same thing? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's the film that killed Sean Connery's career. <laughs> hey, something happened. Sean Connery has never done a film since. Sean Connery turned down being Gandalf in Lord of the Rings because he didn't understand it. Then he, like, Lee of Extraordinary Gentlemen came up, and he was like, I don't get this one either. But I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna let another opportunity yeah. <laughs> pass me by. It was critically panned and like fucking flopped. He has not done a film since. Fool me once. Shame on me. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. Twice. Shame on me again. Yeah. <laughs> so as it turns out, I guess like Dr. Jekyll is the leader of this group. Uh, we get a lot of stuff happening pretty quickly. Like, there's a scene where, like... It's like a secret organization to combat evil. Yeah. Which, again, and, and secret organization is very makeable. Uh, he's yeah. the Nick Fury of the Dark Universe. Yeah. Like, that's I guess a so, very, right? like, ham-fisted connection. Mm. Um, so we get a lot of stuff happening pretty quickly. Like, there's Nick in the room with Dr. Jekyll. He's got that stump hand. He, he pulls out, like, apparently, like, whenever, like, his Jekyll powers are running low and he's about to turn Hyde, like, his hand sinks into itself. Yeah. And he's got yeah, to inject himself weird. With some serum and he has the most complicated injection process possible it's yeah. this like weird metal frame and he puts in one bit of fluid two bits of fluid three bits of fluid four bits of fluid if you're that close to turning into some horrible monster please make it as easy as possible just one big, one big tank of fluid just 
make it one tank of fluid and stab that into yourself. Yeah. Like, so he injects himself with some shit to prevent himself from turning into Mr. Hyde. I guess we haven't really formally been made aware of that yet, but probably mm. the audience is aware that that's happening. And he grows a new hand. And he's telling this whole story about some guy who was evil. Uh, and we'll come back to that later. The next thing that happens is they reveal the purpose of this organization that he's mm. the leader of. They're combating evil in every yeah. way they can. They're analyzing it and they're, they're bringing it down. They have Aminet captive. The whole conceit of this Dark Universe franchise they're building is that they find, examine, contain, and destroy evil. Wow. And their plan is to th- pump her full of mercury, essentially. Mm-hmm. Embalm her in mercury. Yeah, and so she'll, like, die, and then they can dissect her, and that's going to be sweet. So before this, Jennifer's back with sort of zero explanation. She's like, sorry... I was with Russell the whole time. Yeah, I, no, I worked for him. That is, that is the explanation. Yeah. In that she was like, huh, you'll never believe it, but I was actually working with uh, Russell Crowe the whole time, and I'm actually like, <laughs> kind of good, kind of evil. Who knows? Like, it's but you can weird. still love me. Yeah. <laughs> so now Aminette starts talking, and she's like, you were the chosen one, Nick. Uh, the previous chosen one was killed before I could turn him into an immortal god of chaos. And if you let me... Turn you into a mortal god of chaos. You'll be the immortal god of chaos now. Well, she's literally like, yeah, like I want to kill you so you can come back as like an eternal god of of death, and then I'll also be your queen. And as she says that in the vision, she undresses, and it's kind of basically she's kind of like, listen, let me stab you this dagger. You'll live forever. You'll be very powerful. We'll fuck the whole time. Yeah. That's the deal. So she's trying to tempt him. So she's replaced her previous chosen one, who was the guy in the previous vision where she was going to stab him with the dagger to bring in Set uh, with Nick. Nick's the new chosen one. And he's on the border of being tempted. This is that Undying Love remake ability. Like, mm-hmm. he's fucking the new vessel for her. Well, but here's the thing. He also was the closest guy, right? Like, yeah, he's literally... <laughs> he just like, happened to be We're talking about yeah. Undying Love. Like, he literally was the closest. Although that is true from, like, the original film as well. Yeah. Like the first woman that like the the mummy came across, Imhotep came across, he was mm-hmm. like an moon. Yeah. And so like I'm guessing this for some reason mummies are like, hey, a living, breathing person? You're my hey, undying love. I'm gonna fuck you. Yeah. Bring it to me. Yeah, I'm fixing to fuck you. And also at this point, Nick just starts speaking Egyptian. And yep. then they both lapse back into English. Yep. So it's like, all right, you've read enough subtitles now, audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they changed English. We'll give you a bit of English now. No one no likes reason. reading that much. Yeah. Hey, I'm not here to read the movie. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. Why would he choose Jennifer at this point? Armanette is there. She is offering eternal life, dominion over the world. And the embodiment of evil. But my, my, my point is, is that like at no point here... Does she offer any downsides to him being stabbed? She's like, I'll stab you, you'll come back, you'll live forever, you'll have power over death, and there's a genuine connection between, like, Armanet and Nick, there is no one between him and Jennifer, and this dude isn't a good person anyway. This dude, it like, the whole film is going to lengths to prove that this guy doesn't give a fuck about anyone. He's just like, there for those treasures. Yeah, he's there for someone... those treasures. He's going to leave Jennifer behind on, like, multiple occasions. Like, he's not a good person. I mean, dude, I think, like, to be fair, like, we see him being genuinely tempted. Like, because he literally, like, he's literally like, oh, and then, and then, literally, she starts like when they're having their weird like sex vision, she starts screaming, "It burns, it burns!" And then we slap back to reality, and she's screaming that the mercury being pumped into her veins burns, and he yells out like, "Stop! Stop pumping her full of mercury!" Like he's genuinely like kind of being sucked in a little bit. No, of course, I, but I think he should have been totally sucked. I in. I think he should have been like, "Fucking yeah, I'm on board." Uh, I mean, he's not a good person. 
He doesn't necessarily want to become the embodiment of an evil god of death. And I think he kind of is like, oh, maybe I could be the immortal god of death, but I don't think he's really there yet. Look, We're not there yet. I, I turn I to you know. right now and I say, you can live out your next 50, 60 years in sort of like perfectly pleasant, mortal, whatever, or you become the embodiment of evil. Which one are you going to take? I mean, obviously I'd do it, but I'm a far worse person than Nick Morton. I don't, I don't think I feel you like are. I, feel like... I don't think you are. I feel no, like you're both on a pretty equal... But the problem is... talking about this Yes, now. because yeah. it's serious. I, I genuinely think that that is the better option. I think Nick as a character should take it. the embodiment of literal evil? But it's yeah. not that. It's the god of death. She's uh, not like, you're going to become the embodiment of evil. She's like, you will become the yeah. god of death. And she's made so many good points. And he's tempted, but believe it or not, he doesn't trust the undead mummy that she's being completely honest with him about what his powers will and won't be and what will and won't be consequences of doing that. But she's also in he's his... he's asking questions. But she's he's... also in his head, yes. dude. Yeah. And so he's no conflicted about him. it. No. Because he's literally like you were gonna kill him and she's like I wasn't gonna kill him I was gonna have my life and he was like but you killed your family like he's literally he's literally puzzling it out like they they fully address this in the movie he looks at the options and he decides he doesn't want that one and I think <laughs> if you look at the options as a real person you would say man this is pretty wild like I'm gonna take that evil option yeah I 100% would as well as. that is the best option yeah so Arminette is being pumped full of mercury uh, Nick is like screaming for them to stop it uh, and, like, Jekyll's just kind of, like, interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, she's got mind control powers over this boy. Yeah. And the next thing that happens is a very unmotivated and awkward romance scene between Nick and Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah, where they're sitting there... I don't even really remember what was said. My She note... is, Go like, on. really sort of indebted to him because she's like, oh, you saved me. Oh, like, yeah, that's You gave right. me the only shoot in the plane. And he ruins this scene so hilariously. He's like, oh, like... I thought there were more parachutes. Well, to be Which fair, raises a great question. I thought there were more as well. Yeah. Why does a plane have one parachute? Yes, I think, exactly. I that think is, she's just wrong. That yeah. is my question. Is like, why was there only one parachute in this military transport? Unless plane? at this point he's kind of like, I'm so on the side of yeah. her. Fuck off. I'll say whatever yeah. it takes. Like, There's a different interpretation of this movie yeah, yeah, where yeah. the rest of the movie is him secretly working against them all. After this horrible scene between Nick and Jennifer, which doesn't really go anywhere, um, uh, we see another part of the team digging up that yeah. stone. Henry's boys have found the gem that goes in the base of the dagger, which is very good. They needed it in order to make the dagger good again, I guess. So now we get Jennifer talking to Arminette. And my question at this point is, like, why are they even talking to her? Like, why is she, like, in the center of their headquarters, in chains, in a location where everyone's just looking at her and talking to her? Mm. Like, why don't they just put her in a lead box? Like, why are they yeah. allowing her the opportunity to influence people? Specifically dramatic situation where it's like, oh, yeah. she's in chains, pumping full mm. of mercury. Also, how long does it take to pump someone's full of veins full of mercury? Yeah, yeah. surely... You, About you, two minutes? A very long time, You surely apparently. can get some good PSI on that, right? Yeah. Just, like, fucking, like... Look, She's got a lot of veins, okay? <laughs> she became the mummy, mostly veins. And the Fun money for Universal. Funnily enough, yeah. Because this movie made... Jackson, this movie cost $200 million to make. It's already grossed $400 million at Son the box office. $200 million so far... Maybe as much as 300 If this movie makes more than $30 from DVD distribution, I'll shit my pants. Is you that be you better get a that's on wax, ready. Jackson? You better buy some fucking yeah, rubber yeah. pants. I'll provide my boy. the pants you yes. shit in, and I'll provide the thirty dollars, and I'll provide the shit. <laughs> well, perfect. He's gonna shit on the pants. Yeah. I'll wear them. Yeah. You provide the money. I'll buy the movie. You give me thirty bucks. 
No one lives here. Tim shits in a pair of pants. I put them on. And then yeah. we send them to Universal. Here's <laughs> <laughs> your dark universe, motherfuckers. <laughs> You've created the darkest timeline. Oh, oh, my God. God. So now I feel like the next thing that we get is a scene between uh, Dr. Jekyll and Nick Morton, where Jekyll gives the laziest title pitch, Welcome to a New World of Gods and Monsters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, don't tweet at me. Not going in there. Yeah. Not going to be the title pitch. Uh, and, 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 and so the important thing that happens here is that, like... Like, Nick's hanging out with Jekyll, and Arminette's talking to Jennifer, and Jennifer's like, so, uh, what do you think they're going to do with Nick now? They found the gem, they found the dagger, Nick's here, what do you think's going to happen? And she's, like, heavily implying that, like, Jekyll and his boys are going to kill Nick to do something. And so Jennifer goes and confronts Jekyll, and is like, are you going to kill Nick? And Jekyll's like, of course we're going to kill Nick. Nick is, like, cursed with yeah. the god Set in his body, and if we kill him, then we can kill Set. And at this point, he turns into, like, this total doofus, where he's like, kill? Kill who? Like, yeah, he's yeah. not, like, an idiot throughout the whole film, and suddenly yeah. he's like, oh, what? Like, kill someone? Like, kill yeah. me? What are you talking about? He's not an idiot. Yeah, Nick knows just, like, kill fucking him. loses at this point, being like, huh? What? Hmm? Yeah. He just, like, yeah, he's impossible. Like, he's incapable of having a conversation. He's oh. just comically stupid after this point. Yeah, like, at this point, like, a lot of things happen very quickly, and it's mm. intercut quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So we get, like, a shot of, like, Arminette, like, launching a hectic escape plan. Like, she's chanting some shit secretly, and there's a little scarab beetle-looking thing, like, crawling along a vent, and she's, like, looking at it and, like, willing it along its way with mm. some kind of magic. At the same time, we're, like, intercut back with Dr. Jekyll being like this world is sick it needs someone to save it you can be the person to save it let us kill you and therefore we'll kill you know the god of death and Nick's literal response is I'm not interested in that at all Amazing. yeah he's interested in becoming the god of death yeah. and, and like living of Arminet you should have taken that good option you're getting yeah. ahead of yourselves so the, the point is uh, as this is all happening, uh, Jekyll goes over to grab the serum that's going to turn him from changing from Mr. Hyde back into Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, he's Dr. already Hyde. requiring it. And like, yeah. I feel like, like, has it been a full day since it's we first saw It's been a couple saw... hours. So is yeah. this dude constantly jabbing himself? Yeah, he's like a diabetic dude. And in that case, make that syringe easier to put into yourself. Yeah, this, Don't have to put dude... in those little vials well, every like time. an implant. Like a slow release drug. Like he, a pacemaker. Because yeah. he is a physician, a neurologist, a and lawyer, like a and an immunologist. Yeah, he's a clear genius. Like they, they paint him in that way. Anyway, we can't worry too much about why he needs to constantly inject himself with the serum. All you, he, all you need to know is that Nick reaches over, grabs the serum before he can jab himself, uh-huh. and is like, we got to figure out a new plan other than killing me. Uh, or she's gonna get fucked, and then you better believe oh. our boy Jekyll shapeshifts into, into Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde. Edward Hyde, the Cockney boy himself. Wow. This is intercut with we're back over in the room that had Arminette in it. Uh, the little like scarab beetle has crawled into someone's ear and he's controlling them yeah. to like stop the mercury. And the other guy's like, "Hey, hey, did you stop the mercury?" And the guy's just not answering. But like now, fucking. The mercury's no longer being pumped into Arminette's veins. And that guy's just going and grabbing an axe. And then yeah. we're back we're to back with Edward Hyde, fully formed, like, just Russell Crowe, like, the gray, gray skin, essentially, but just with a Cockney accent, God. fucking throwing Nick around the room, being yeah. like, we should have a partnership, you and I. Get Delivering these amazing lines. So many good ones. I gotta be honest, no, right right here, Edward Hyde, as yeah, played by Russell Crowe, MVP. Yeah, I've got it It has well. to be. Oh, no. Gotta be. Best because part of the entire he, fucking he, film. He says some of the best lines in this movie. I want to see that again. Including, it's me, your good friend, Eddie Hart. <laughs> 
I would watch an entire fucking film of Edward Hyde. Hey, dude, I think you might get to. <laughs> I hope so. If I had to pay money, I don't care. I'd say you might get to. I don't care if he's the hero or the villain. I'd watch a well, good 90 minutes he's of both. that. It's perfect. He's both. He fights himself. Yeah. They'll make a Jekyll and Hyde movie, of course they will. I fucking hope so. So, yeah, this is intercut with, like, so, so we get confirmation that he is Eddie Hyde before he says that hotline because, like, fucking Nick's trying to get out of the room and, like, he punches him and, like, forces his hand onto the keypad that we saw Jekyll activate before. But now it says E Hyde. What a good reveal. Access denied. Yeah, whereas before it said, like, uh, Jekyll. Jekyll. H. Jekyll. Jekyll. Access denied. So he puts his hand against and says, don't worry, they never let me out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. in this great Cockney accent, which he really masters. I yeah, think. and I gotta say, your good friend Eddie Hyde, title pitch, because it pretty much oh, is a nice. Uh, I like that. Yeah, like yeah. this movie, it's all about your good friend Eddie Hyde. Uh, this is intercut with the guy we saw grabbing an axe before, who stopped the Mercury driving that axe. Okay, so big question: Why do they have axes in That's the a control room? Really I mean, good question. In case of fire. Yeah, just. You know, because you need axes. <laughs> in I guess case so. of a fire. It's like that axe in the know. cockpit of a of a plane. It's yeah. just like, you know, just in case. Just in case you need an axe. That's yeah. never causing... Well, I mean, it's like a fire I mean, axe, I mean, right? I mean, have you read Hatchet? Yeah. That's yeah. why you need an axe a, in the cockpit a, of a plane, a, right? A, a, a. Yeah. Uh, but, also, but also, like, fire axes are a thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But those are never causing more good than harm, are they? Like, <laughs> I don't know if they're that much of a thing anymore. I think, like, in a brand Dude, new... I have six fire axes in my home. <laughs> <laughs> And the day a fire comes, yeah. I will be I'm ready. I'm going to be ready. I don't have any extinguishers. Family, I don't like, need them. Jackson, I'll chop up that fire. Jackson, like, please just run out of the house. No. Yeah, I'm You're there swinging fire. this fire axe. Yeah. Like, I ah! will chop down every wall of this house till I'm safe. I don't think fire axes are a thing in modern buildings. Like, I think there's, you know, like fire alarms, there's extinguishers in the roof, there's like fucking like hammers that break windows. I don't think fire axes are just around. But anyway, he grabs an axe, he drives it into the electrical switchboard. Also, this miscellaneous power board that just happens to control yeah. everything yeah. in yeah. the building. Exactly. And, like, electrocutes himself in a very, like, Frank Grimes sort of fashion. <laughs> a little bit Frank Grimes. Yeah. I've written down, fuck, this Hyde stuff is too good and this scene is actually all very good. Yeah. This whole scene that, like, this is, like, one of the few parts of the movie that was very hype. Oh, God. It's like, oh, yeah. like, Arminette's vomiting up all the mercury. Like, yeah, like, like Hyde is beating the shit out of Nick while Arminette's there, like, throwing up mercury Working on this shit. escape yeah. plan. It's Ugh. really quite good. And then we get, like, Jennifer. She's, like, in a library somewhere. We get mm. a very quick look at a book. Yeah, so J- Jenny yeah. knocks this dude out with a book. And what is it? It's the Book of Amun-Ra. Yeah. From that classic mummy film, I wish we had more than just a fucking book. That's literally that the only this film. direct reference to it, hey. And it sucks because oh, the other film was so good. But it's yeah. just like, okay, so you, you can see a world in which they build this movie on its, you know, 30 years, 100 years, 80 years after the last movie. Because the last movie took place in the 30s. It could have, like, it could have existed in the same exactly. world. Exactly. But yeah. instead they were like, no, 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 it's just the same concept, but this book's here, just for all you fans. It could have been hey. a society set up by, like, <sighs> Evelyn and Rick O'Connell. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that could have been, and that would have been fucking great. So Nick manages to turn Hyde back into Jekyll by injecting him with the serum. Well, this, this, this no, is no, no, before, no. this is before. Before one of his best lines, <laughs> I am chaos and destruction. The ladies, ladies will love, love us. <laughs> wow. Because I feel like at this point, uh, Dr. Hyatt is like, all right, clearly Tom Cruise's character is not buying it. Let me really play to his weaknesses. Yeah. The ladies. Yeah. Nick. Listen, I, 
I heard about your troubles with the ladies. 15 seconds. We'll work on that. Hey, yeah, look, wow. Nick, Jennifer's a bitch, but if you side with me, they'll all love us. I yeah. can give you some of this serum. Let me tell you, it makes you fuck great. Yeah. Trust me, you'll last longer than 15 seconds with this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Nick manages to turn Hyde back into Jekyll using this serum. And, and Jekyll's just kind of like, good work. He's just yeah, like, it's like, good show, old chap. Yeah, and then fucking like Nick throws him into a bookcase and knocks him out. Yeah, for no reason. Like, like Jekyll very clearly turns back from Mr. Hyde and then like Nick just kind of like knocks him the fuck out. And then Jenny shows up and she's like, hey Nick, we've got to destroy the stone. That'll break the curse that's on you. Sure. How did she figure that out? Okay. Doesn't matter. That's just, that's true now. They and we're moving on. They gotta break the stone. So Aminette escapes, and for me, for orchestrating that escape plan with the bug, then carrying it out, gotta get that MVP on. Gotta give it to her. Yeah, she does a great job. Did pretty well. Alright, this is actually where, like, there's a few minutes here where this movie actually gets, like, passably exciting. Oh, mm. yeah. Because, like, Aminette's on the loose, she's in London, she's... Tom Cruise is doing what Tom Cruise does best, which is running from explosions. She sucks up a few dudes. Yeah, I... And then just summons the sands, which isn't a uh, surprising thing, given mm-hmm. the earlier films, but now she just has the power of the, the desert, which is great for her. I actually quite like getting to see, like, this classic monster movie character rolling around London, like, wreaking havoc. Like, this was actually quite cool. I wish we'd seen more of it. That's the thing. I remember seeing this and being like, wow, I wish the whole movie was this. The problem is, from the start of Edward Hyde through to the end of this scene, this film is very watchable. Yeah. And the horrifying thing is that we get, like, seven to eight minutes of, like, a really engaging, watchable film. Yeah. And then... It dies with the reappearance of Jake Johnson as that fucking ghost. Yeah, dude. You get a really nice callback to the 1999 film where, like, she creates a face in the dust. Yeah, yeah. Like a whole a bit of nice vore happening again. Yeah, it's very big vore. And then, yeah, as you say, Vale shows up again and he's like, Hey, I know where the stone is. Come with me, Nick. So they go down into some sewers and it's revealed that Vale is double-crossing Nick. He's actually going to get the stone and then sell Nick out to Aminette. And Aminette is also down there, but in a different part of the sewers, and she summons a bunch of zombies. Well, she, like, summons the Knights Templar as yeah, her warriors. Which... Not sure why a princess of Egypt has the Knights Templar as her warriors. Yeah. Because, because all the summoned warriors in the last film were either priests or the Pharaoh's bodyguards. They were all mm. Egyptian, but apparently mm. this is all linked, and she can just summon her warriors any from fucking undead. any mythology. Yeah. yeah, so she summons up the Knights Templar. What I want to know at this point is, like, Nick was running around London with Jenny. Vale shows up. They're heading down to the sewers with Jenny. Now Nick is just by himself. Yeah. Like, yeah. how did Nick and Jenny get separated? It's not clear. We get another really dark scene where, like, Jenny's walking around on her guy, like, you literally can't see shit, and she's like, Nick, 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 and there's this zombie coming up behind her, and then Nick shows up and murders the zombie and saves her. But then, as you said, Tim, thank God the tube is still running. Exactly. The city of London is just in disrepair. There's glass breaking everywhere, and they're in these tunnels, but, oh... The tube is still running, and they have to hide from this train running full tilt, like... Surely you can't just lean against the wall as a train goes past. I don't think the tube tunnel is that forgiving. I mean, look, I've been to cities that never close down. New York to Freer. To old London town. And that's, you know, like, they will never stop running the tube. Anyway, at this point, Arminette has gotten the stone. She has the stone. She Uh, shots in the dagger. She shots in the dagger. It's all... We're heading into that endgame. You better believe it. 
Um, and then Nick and Jenny get tackled into an underwater cavern. Yeah, one, one point, of these Knights Templar just fucking, like, runs through a wall, yeah. knocks them through a wall into the water. Like, okay, and it's not just the water. It's like a deep underwater cavern. I'm it's the ocean, down. dude. I mean, they're like... It's not just, like, a chamber of water. It's literally, like, they get sucked down into the water, Jenny's taken by this knight, Nick has to dive down to save her, and there's literally, like, five minutes of very, very dark underwater rigmarole where you can't see what's happening, and it's all underwater. Yeah, Nick, like, nearly runs out of breath trying to chase them down. Yeah. Up, How grabs, much water is under Grabs here? a bit more breath and then starts <laughs> swimming again, like, for too long, for far too long. awful habit now of, like, sitting in action movies and as soon as an underwater scene, you hold your breath as well. That was one of the most unrealistic underwater scenes. Oh, perhaps my. Ever. You don't God. have the breath span exactly. of, of Nick Morton. God, I wish friend. I was Nick Morton. He's unstoppable. The point is that he's not that impressive a soldier. He's he, ser- he is nowhere near the fifth greatest soldier in the world. <laughs> he's also certainly no Brendan Fraser. Yeah, exactly. So then what's that character's name? Rick, Rick O'Connell. He's certainly no Rick O'Connell. So Jenny drowns um, as as Nick's trying to save her. I mean, look, so yeah. I he mean, still shouldn't care. They clearly cut all the romance scenes from this movie that was supposed to make you care <sighs> about these two. Uh, and, and, and Nick, like, gets out of the water, Jenny's drowned, he's captured by a bunch of zombies, and he's taken to Armanad. I just want to stop watching. Ooh. Like, I'm so tired of this movie at this point. Mm. Like, there was, like, as you said, like, there were a few minutes there where it caught my imagination. And then it just died, and it's just slowed right down. It's a bunch of rigmarole, and it sucks, and I'm just so tired of it. So now, like, Armanette is beating the shit out of Nick, like... Jenny's dead in the water. All the other zombies have left for some reason, and Amanes just beating him up. Like the obvious answer is like for this character is to just like accept ultimate power. Now he still has the option of just succumbing to pure evil and having that sick life yeah. of like hot and- Egyptian babe and ultimate power. Yeah, and instead he's just kind of like fucking summons up the fucking worst line in history. Like uh, she's holding him up, and he's like, "We're never gonna be together." And it's not me; it's you. Awful. She throws him away, the dagger's Man. right there, and he stabs himself in the chest. I literally wrote down at this point, I can't even take a note about this line. Jacko's gonna have to read it out. I hate it too much. And thank Fuck you for doing that for me. Sucks. He's like, she's like, love me, be my god friend, we can be together. But like, why doesn't he at this point? And then he's like, no. He but I will resists. stab myself anyway. Look, he's on a redemptive arc, and he's realised. I think uh. it's. I think the implication that we're meant to draw from this is that if he does the killing of himself, he's not like under her control. Like he doesn't like you know fucking. I think now. I now I think you are stepping into the writing room and trying to save <laughs> these boys because that is very unclear, if not a huge logical leap to take. There is anyway, no saving to be done. Here. She yeah. makes it clear to him that if he is the god of death. He can save Jenny, so he decides he's going to be the god of death, and he ices himself with the dagger. Which, to be fair, I did not see that coming. Yeah, I, I thought he'd probably stab her. Yeah, me too. Which I think is what, oh, oh just shatter the gem. Yeah. It's like he like hit the gem a bit, and the gem was going to break, and she was like, don't shatter the gem, you've got to use it to turn yourself into the god of death, so you can save your loved one, yeah. in a roundabout way. And I was like, well, he's obviously just going to shatter the gem, or stab her, but then he stabbed himself, which was yeah. actually like, that's a twist. I didn't he, see it coming. He becomes the god of death... 
He, like, fucking, like, grabs the mummy. Yeah, dude. And then there's a moment where it's like, oh, they're gonna get together. Then he looks at Jenny, realizes he can't. He fucking, like, kisses her slash drains the shit out of her. Yeah, yeah. We get a cut back to Jekyll saying, it's a sacrifice for the greater good. So you many have to sacrifice yourself weird, to save the world. Just weird, lazy flashbacks of, like, oh, I hope you didn't forget this. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's remind you of these it's key points. It's literally, like, this thing that happened about half an hour ago. Yeah. You should remember this. that you're watching. But if you don't, we'll show it to you again. Yeah, like, literally, it cuts back a about 30 minutes oh. yeah. to show you Jekyll being like you have to sacrifice yourself to save the world Nick and that's when he's done so I have said, here again why does he care about Jenny but anyway he drains the mummy she's gone and then it looks like he sacrifices himself for a second yeah. so she can live so as you say yeah it looks like he sacrifices himself he does like a spooky yell into her face and his face gets all distorted yeah, and yeah. he looks like a demon and then she wakes up and she's like, Nick, where are you, Nick? And she sees, like, Aminette's dead body on the side of the water, that the underground cavern that's underneath the London tube is, I guess. And uh, now we get this scene, which is the epitome of the darkness of this movie. Truly. Like, she literally looks into a dark corner. We don't see Nick. We see, we see a vague silhouette of him against the darkness. He delivers a bunch of daft lines about how he doesn't know what he is. We didn't see this coming, did we? And he's like, I did this for you. Mm. I did this to save you. Fucking people rush in so he disappears. Yeah. Yeah, here's what I've got. Oh shit, Jekyll's back, baby. And now we get a nice wrap up. So Nick's run away somewhere. We don't know where he's got to. Yeah, I guess he's, they're they're like, he's the monster now slash he's also the god of death. What I believe Jekyll says is, so so Nick runs away. We never actually saw him in that scene. He was like a being of pure darkness hiding in the shadows. And Jekyll says, he's found his redemption but he's a monster now. And now we get a cut to, like, Nick and Vale hanging out in the desert. And Vale's like, hey, thanks for bringing me back oh to life, Sergeant. Uh. I know you're a great guy, but what are we even doing here? Thanks again, though. I'm alive now. And this is where I've written down. Because it, it's intercut with, like, Jekyll and Jennifer talking about how, like, you know, he's a monster. They're, they're talking about this as they, like, fill the corpse of Am- Aminette up with mercury again. They're, like, re-embalming her in mercury and putting her in another co- coffin. And they're all... And, and Jenny's like... Couldn't he be our greatest ally, Dr. Jekyll? And he's like, maybe. He says, sometimes it does take a monster to fight a monster. Wait, we've all been watching this movie thinking that the mummy is Aminette. Is Nick the mummy? Wow. And here's what I I say. I think Nick's the mummy, dude. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I genuinely think it is because, like, they're building this dark universe bullshit and, like, they've got this IP now. For when they, like, do the inevitable Dark Universe monster movie team-up, like Avengers or Justice League, like, they've got the mummy. Because, like, they've made it clear that he's able to control the evil and just use the powers of, like, the mummy. So he's now, like, this, like, takes a monster to defeat a monster superhero IP that Universal can just slot into their movies when they inevitably do the fucking Dark Universe monster team-up. I I guarantee it. I never want to see that, but I think when the time comes... They will do it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, dude, like, literally, I think Dr. Jekyll, the mummy, Frankenstein's monster. God. Like, because, dude, spoilers, Javier Bardem 
cast as Frankenstein's monster coming 2019. Now that's a good Sorry, fucking 2018, gig. 2018. Yeah, definitely. But like, they'll all be brought together inside fucking Dr. Jekyll's Institute oh, of Controlling All the Evil. Uh, it'll work world. narratively, but it'll still be awful. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on from this horrible franchise. I mean, yeah, that's, that's literally the essentially end of the, movie. the film. They quite literally ride into the sunset. I mean, and then we, we literally said, like, that is the end of the film. That's the end of the movie. We looked at the, the film we were watching. Yeah, and we were like, (laughs) 10 minutes of credits, wow, there's got to be, like, some sort of end credit scene here. And I actually have an article I've pulled up here from Heavy.com, okay? Tell us about that article. Uh, Written by Daniel S. Levine. So we're all sitting there, we're an hour and 40 into this hour and 50 film, thinking, okay, wow, they're trying to build Dark Universe... There's got to be some after credit sequence. We Google, you know, obviously yeah. you got to Google, is there an end credit scene? Is it worth doing? I'm not waiting 10 minutes. Now, here's straight from the, the article. In an interview with IGN last month after Universal officially announced the Dark Universe, director Alex Kurtzman said they do not plan on ever having end credit scenes in these movies. Wow. The studio and the writers overseeing these films have no interest in aping Marvel Studios. <laughs> <laughs> A quote. No, no. That's Marvel's domain, Kurtzman explained. Quote. Surrender unto Caesar what is Caesar's. <laughs> Maybe what? it'll feel more appropriate down the line as the universe builds itself. I don't think any of us wanted to be accused of ripping off what they did so well. Wow. End quote. The best part of that is that they're like, well, we might do it later, but we're not going to do it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Leaving the door open for themselves. Oh, Jesus. Highly irregular. Welcome to our post-show roundup. Yeah. I think we've got to start with MVPs in this Mm, post-show roundup. So let me just dip back through my notes. Mm -hmm. I think my first one is Colonel Greenway. (laughs) Yes. For giving uh, an adequate description of what Nick and Vale are doing. Mm-hmm. Veil as a ghost for the hot prank that he pulls on Nick in mm. that uh, toilet scene. <laughs> Next MVP I might have is Mr. Hyde for It's Me, Your Good Friend, Eddie Hyde, oh, which fuck, is so going to be friend. hard to get around. And the final MVP on that I have is Arminette for that fucking incredible escape that she manages by like controlling that bug into that guy's ear. I mean,. Did you guys have any others that I didn't mention? I have to be entirely honest with you, dude. I had one MVP the entire fucking film, uh-huh. and you better believe it was Russell Crowe as any yeah, yeah, dude. Like, I literally sat there, and I kept being... And I, I agree with the ones you put, but I, myself, as a human being, as this particular human being, could Only not put one. forward anyone else. I kept trying to, and nothing grabbed me, mm. but Russell Crowe no, as Edward agree. Hyde was immaculate. I think he's the strongest nom. I think Russell Crowe was there on set throughout the whole film thinking exactly the same things that we thought. He thought one day is still interested is going to nominate me yeah. for MVP and I'm going to win it. And he, it'll all be worth it. Yeah. He's he been was, waiting for that Oscar, but this is better. Yeah. He was thinking the exact same things that we did the whole time and yet he still stuck through and he put on that god-awful accent. And he That's what it. I mean. He crushed the Cockney so well. Yeah. Almost too And yet well. that English accent, it was kind of like, all right, Russ, we know what you're doing. Yeah. But what I want to know, mm-hmm. if you could recast this film, boys, Ooh. who are you picking? Oh, a little bit of that dream casting. I mean, the obvious one is Brendan Fraser. I mean, obviously. As, yeah. as I'm going to say, 
Dr. Jekyll? Yeah, Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, of course. That's right. I mean, I mean, I, as much as Russell Crowe is one of the best things about this movie, you got to get Brando in the mix. Well, here's the thing. Dr. Jekyll, Brendan Fraser, Edward Hyde, Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh, there's no reason he can't oh, shit right? the dark yeah. Brendo no yeah. I, like it. I like it a lot I like it dude probably that too is, much oh, that's very good that's very good that's, very, that's good. very good who are you replacing Tom Cruise with as Nick Morton now this is gonna feel like an indie pick okay Riz Ahmed the pilot from Rogue One Oh, well, that's not bad. Because that dude's been getting a lot of traction lately. A lot of different films being like, hey, this is a real strong boy. Um, I reckon I reckon he'd fucking crush it, dude. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to suggest Luke Bracey. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, yeah. <laughs> what do you... Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean... I feel like Luke Bracey would handle this level of dialogues better. You know what I mean? Like, oh, dude, I think he'd crush it. Yeah. I feel like this is his territory. I feel like Tom Cruise really fucking mauled these lines because he's used to, like, a caliber of script that's a little stronger. No, I mean, definitely. I mean, that, that's one thing you can say about Tom Cruise. Consummate professional. And the only reason that he struggled here was because the script wasn't good enough for him. I am saying that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you can take me to the grave, I'll say that. Jenny? I don't think anyone else could play her other than Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, oh. Jennifer Lawrence would be f- pretty good. And if we're putting in Jennifer Lawrence, then God forbid we replace Tom Cruise with Chris Pratt. Did we turn dude, this dude, into dude, Hollywood's dude, dude, Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana. Like, they're already trying to do it. Just yeah. make it Guardians 3. It's just Guardians 3, call the mummy. <laughs> or, or Chris Pratt... And the Faris. It's oh. about a marriage and breakdown. It's so real. Ooh, but this is before the divorce. No, yeah. so maybe we like cast dying days. Do we cast fucking Jennifer Lawrence as the mummy? Dude. Fucking Anna Faris yeah. as Jenny. Yeah. And then in the end, he chooses the mummy. We change no, the script. No, he chooses the mummy. Dude, no. Better yet, other way around. Oh. He still chooses the mummy. This is the movie that saves their marriage. The mummy is Anna Faris. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And he chooses the mummy and because he saves the mummy their of marriage. his children. That's exactly the mummy, Anna Faris, and that's what it's about. Wow. And then, yeah. and then at the end, there's a 30 second video from the director being like, "This film was about us saving Chris Pratt's marriage." I'm sorry, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't for you. It was for them. It was yeah. for them. You know what yeah. they say? One for you, one for them. That's what you do in Hollywood. This one was for the Chris industry's going to take one every now and again, and this is the one. I'm this one was for Chris and Anna. We all need them to be the yeah. guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about Alec Guinness? to come in as the ghost of Vale. He's Ooh. got ghost playing experience. It's true. You could and have... in that him, he is currently a ghost as well. Yes, exactly. He would have been, he's arguably more he's, perfect he's for been, that role yeah, yeah, yeah. than he was as Obi-Wan exactly. in the remainder yeah. of the original He's been preparing for this role for the last 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Time... Oh, you know what else is interesting about uh, putting Alec Guinness in this movie? As we learned in the trivia of The Mummy 1999, mm-hmm. the cloak that Obi-Wan Kenobi wears in, Obi- in uh, A New Hope got a cameo in the 1999 mummy because the studio borrowed it and put it on some random Egyptian dude and they only later realised that it was the cloak that Obi-Wan wore Wow! the zero gravity scene took 64 takes and was shot for two days in a falling plane reportedly a lot of the crew got nauseous during the scene and vomited except for the main stars Tom Cruise and Annabelle Wallace who were very proud of the stunt. That's so worth it. They didn't throw up at all? Apparently not. What a good scene that Dude, was. Dude, this is fucking crazy, considering how much it informs the plot of this movie. The mummy's design 
and gender were altered due to Apocalypse's look during the post credit scene in Days of Future Past. They were so shaped by the current zeitgeist. They literally were like, well, wow. it has to be a lady now, otherwise it'll look too much like Apocalypse from the end of Days of Future Past. Yeah. So now we need to write the whole movie about this zombie bummy wanting to fuck Tom Cruise. Like, does that mean that... That's fucking why, dude. You, you, do you remember earlier how we were talking about how, like, the film seems to swap roles yep. for yeah. Tom Cruise and fucking Jenny? That's, That's why. Because they were like, guy, we need Tom to Cruise Jenny. to be in a, in a role of which he can be, like, yep. the, the object for the mummy and then get to a point where he can take over. It's just that poorly that adapted. That is fucked, dude. When Jake Johnson was offered the part in the movie, he loved the idea and the opportunity to work with Tom Cruise, knowing that Cruise did most of his own stunts. He signed on immediately, but when he read the full script and learned what kind of dangerous actions were expected of him, he admitted he's getting cold feet. However, Cruise allowed Johnson access to his private facilities for a rigorous 4.5 month training course, making him well prepared for the stunts he was required to do. Wow. Tom Cruise trained Jake Johnson to do the stunts in this movie oh on his private God. stunt arena. That is amazing. Tom Cruise that. is there, like, both hands on. Mr. Miyagi, dude. Just like, look, Jake. I'll take you through it. I'll give you all the steps. Just stick with me through this. Listen, I love that. How many stunts did Jake actually do in this film? Yep. Amazing question. Probably one. None. Yeah. That building the jump. Fucking building from the jump. opening The scene. rest of it, that's it. Yeah, that's like, it. Too. And like, there might be some deleted scenes, but it doesn't make any sense. That's in a cool context five months. Apparently, he was scared enough by the original script. Okay. The film's tagline, Welcome to a New World of Gods and Monsters, mm. is a quote... From the 1935 Bride of Frankenstein, one of the original Universal monster movies. Well, there you go. That's actually just interesting. That's not very yeah. funny. <laughs> but, but they have so many better options for a tagline. Yeah. Least of all, slip in and slip out. That's what we always do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Least, I would say best of all. After promoting the film on this night show starring Jimmy Fallon, Tom Cruise surprised the audience by inviting them all to the premiere of the film, which was immediately after the interview. He hired shuttle buses to transport them all there. He literally went on Jimmy Fallon and was like, and you're all going to the inter- going to the premiere! That's and so just cool. fucking shuttled them all there! <laughs> Javier Bardem, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, and Eddie Redmayne were all considered to play Dr. Henry Jekyll before Russell Crowe. <laughs> Before? Yeah. And they all said no? I don't know. I guess so, right? Probably, the yeah. only like, other part of this trivia okay, is... Name, name him again. Javier like, Bardem, yep. JGL, Tom Hardy, and Eddie Redmayne. Okay, wow. Eddie Redmayne and JGL, weird choices. They aren't bulky Tom enough. Hardy and Javier, Javier yeah. Bardem, they are interesting. Okay, Bardem, later cast as Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. Dig that. Yep. Tom Hardy as Dr. Jekyll... Russell Crowe as Edward Hyde. Yes, dude. Pretty good. Extremely good. When Universal was planning their Dark Universe franchise, they originally envisioned Dracula Untold as the first installment, with with this film being the second. That film ended with Dracula in modern day times, while the Master Vampire let the games begin in a very obvious setup for future installments. There was early talk about Dracula appearing in this film, however, as the film progressed, it was cited as the first Dark Universe, leaving the earlier movie to exist on its own, while Dracula director Gary Shaw said he hoped the possibility that this film would join the universe... That his film would join the universe was left open. Mummy director Alex Kurtzman said it would not be canon. (laughs) 
so they literally, oh. they tried to start Dark Universe. Everyone just missed it. Like, everyone just missed it. And then they were like, yeah, that wasn't part of it. It starts no. now. And now, me giving them shit for not being obvious enough about it, like, for being too obvious about it, makes sense. Because they tried to subtly kickstart Dark Universe three years ago. And is that, is that a sorry. real film? Is Dracula Untold Yeah, dude. I'd never heard of it. But you better believe it's a real film. Dracula Untold. Starring Luke Evans, Dominic Cooper, and oh, Sarah Gaddon. Dominic Cooper, as in, like, fucking, um, uh, Howard Stark? Yeah. Wow. Howard Stark. From the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Currently Ooh, in pre-production know. for Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Yeah. yeah, wow. He is currently in pre-production for Mamma Mia. Here we go again. And The Escape. A big fan of the series Peaky Blinders. Oh, God. <laughs> Tom Cruise. What? No. Tom hang on, Cruise personally requested Annabelle Wallace audition for the film. Surely not. Because he loved her in Peaky Blinders. The sad thing is, she did the worst job. Yeah. Like, as in bad script or not, she did a bad job with every line that she was given. Hyde calls Nick young during their fight scene, even though in real life, Tom Cruise is a year older than Russell Crowe. He's a year older! Tom Cruise is 55 and Russell Crowe is 54! Can you believe that? They're both so old. Oh my... No, okay, but Russell Crowe looks like... Yeah, 54. 54. He looks like a good 54. Yeah, Tom Tom Cruise Cruise looks fucking 38. Dude. He's captured Infinite Life. Yeah, he did it. He's, he took no, the dude, offer. He did it. He's, he's done it. He made it. That mad son of a bitch. Oh, my God. What he... powers does Scientology have? Yeah, I mean... I mean, that's a good question. If he looks look that at, good... Look at John Travolta. He's aged very well. Almost too well. Okay. I'd like to posit a new segment for our podcast. Okay. Still interested, Jackson. Sure, Which is called Five Degrees of Wentworth Miller. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we try and find a way to connect Wentworth Miller. Now, 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 now to be clear, it, the game is normally six degrees of separation. Yes, I'm but saying. But are you no, saying no. that most people are closer to Wentworth Miller <laughs> than the game would normally allow? It's, yes. It, we're, we're taking a degree off. In okay. Hollywood. In Hollywood. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I'm saying we can get five degrees of Wentworth Miller. Okay. All right. All right. We got to map it out right now. All right. Anyone in this movie. To Wentworth Miller. In the least possible number of steps. Okay. Let's math it out. Okay. Uh... Was anyone in this movie in the original movie? At all? Because if so, that's easy. Because the guy who's the Egyptologist in the original was in So all we gotta do is get back to the original mummy. And we're already there. So... Was Brendan Fraser in a movie with any of these people? Was was there ever a Brendan Fraser Tom Cruise team up? Were any of these people ever in Fargo? Because if Ooh. so, then we've got Peter Stormare, the inimitable Peter Stormare, who's in Prison Break with Wentworth Miller. Uh, I just don't know enough. Like, uh, um, okay, you know what, dude? We can go more abstract. Okay. Because we've got who composes the music for Prison Break mm. other than Ramin Jawadi, composer of. Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, if we can Game get to Game of Thrones. Sean Bean. Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe are going to be our get-together. Anyone in Les Mis, surely. 
Oh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah, is that our link? Jackman, Jackman, Jackman. Jackman to Reynolds. Jackman to Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds to fucking wait, hang on, no, easy. Fucking Jackman to uh, fucking who plays uh, Professor Xavier in the new films? Big Boy McAvoy. Yeah, uh, uh, James McAvoy. Ja- uh, Jackman to McAvoy, James McAvoy, uh-huh. McAvoy to fucking uh, who plays that Sons of Stark, Sophie Turner, McAvoy, McAvoy to uh, Sophie Turner who plays that Sons of Stark. We're on Game of Thrones. He did it. Jawadi, Prison Break, Winwood Miller. All right, Miller. how can you get so, so Russell Crowe yeah. to Hugh Jackman yeah. through Les Mis? That's one. Yeah, wow. Russell Crowe to, to Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Jackman. Hugh Jackman to James McAvoy yeah. mm-hmm. through which which X Men film has them? Which one? Uh... X, uh, Days of Future Past. Okay, so Days of Future Past. Yeah. Okay, then McAvoy, McAvoy with Turner. X-Men Sophie in, Turner. in X-Men Apocalypse. With Sophie Turner. That's three. That's yep. three. Sophie Turner, Turner. to Ramin Jawadi from of Game of Thrones composer, famous Game of Thrones composer, also composed the music for Prison Break, starring Wentworth Miller. That's We've five, done baby. it, Jackson. That's we five, did baby. We wow. did it. <laughs> yes. Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks.